Rodney Jane here with May deals so good you'll be glad you came to Bob Jane T-Marts. Buy three selected Bridgestone, Yokohama, Dunlop or Goodyear tyres and get one free tyre. Plus up to $150 instant cash back on brands like Bridgestone, Michelin, Pirelli, Continental and more. That's not all. Get a massive 20% off on selected Kumo tyres. We won't be beaten with our best tyre price guarantee. Give us a call or shop online today. We'll look after you. This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news, powered by race fuels in association with Bob Jane T-Marts. From supercars to club racing, race fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need them. And fueling the latest news and views is Parked Up Plus. Each week, multi-award winning journalist Mark Fogarty brings the big stories and talks to the big names. If it matters in motorsport, you'll hear it first, right here on Parked Up Plus. Coming up, future of supercars. The big boss speaks out. DJR slump. New owner breaks his silence. Scotty Mack on Gen 3 parity and a Bathurst return. And IndyCard is back on the streets of Motor City. All this and more straight ahead on Parked Up Plus. Here's folks. Hi there, race fans. He's the most powerful person in supercars. But he keeps a very low public profile. Not often seen and heard even more rarely. He's Barclay Nettlefold, major shareholder and chairman of Brace, the consortium that bought supercars in late 2021. Nettlefold is also chairman of the Supercars Board of Directors and a mover and shaker in the Australasian advertising and media market. He works behind the scenes, staying out of the public limelight, although insiders will tell you he has plenty of big ideas. We hardly ever hear from him, but now we can put a voice to the name. I recently caught up with Nettlefold and pinned him down to discuss the future of supercars under race, the acronym for Racing Australia Consolidated Enterprises. It's a big name that hasn't delivered on its promise to integrate the promotion of top-level racing following the failure of a planned merger with the Australian Racing Group. Race bought out Archer Capital and the teams to acquire supercars in a deal valued at just over $100 million. Reviewing Race's first 18 months of ownership, Nettlefold tells Parked Up Plus that the takeover was worth the cost and the angst of delivering Gen 3. Well, I got into motorsport through um, you know, our investments in, in other businesses in sport. And it looked like a great opportunity when one of our iconic sports had been sitting fairly much in a, in a structure of ownership that hadn't really invested in it. And sporting rights and sporting content, if it was good, was valuable. And uh, you know, clearly what I've seen, um, that there's such a groundswell of you know, fan engagement since we've started to get involved. The, the, the fan base, the... Um, the DNA of Australia, um, just the love for the, the V8s and supercars is enormous. Not just in Australia, but in New Zealand, where I've got a big media business. So, 
you know, getting, seeing just that the opportunity to help invest in the sport, um, help steer it and, direct, uh, and give some commercial um, presence to it in a way that's going to be better for the, um, for the fans and, and, the, and the entertainment. Um, is something that really I've, I've found um, compelling and um, exciting. Yeah. So how's it going so far? Has it been worth the considerable investment? The first six months was very hard. Um, let's not kid ourselves. You know, we, we still had a legacy of, you know, the weather in New South Wales. Um, we're just, we had a lot of, um, you know, we've inherited a lot of agreements that we're still trying to, we're trying to work through. Um, you know, we've got a lot of sanction events that we're you know, trying to deal with that um, they've got, haven't really haven't aren't at the position in the area we want to be. And uh, so, but you know, and then we had the Gen 3 development that um, that was so far behind that we expected, and it's really taken up a lot of time and uh, a lot of focus. Um, but we believe it's probably the single most important thing that we had to do to reset the sport. So, has it been worse? the investment and not only what you've spent yeah. but presumably you'll you'll have to spend a lot more yeah. Yeah. we are we will um yes is the answer to all those questions so yes it's been worthwhile uh, a lot of work's gone in it more than we expected short term uh, we will commit a lot more money to the sport uh, over the next 18 months and uh, but you know we certainly see there's a lot of growth and growth needs capital yeah, um, I th I'm so encouraged also by the drivers, and you know, just and the team's commitment to the sport, and I think you know the whole modus of Apparandi for us to invest was to enable the teams to race and the drivers to do what they're best at, and you know we're seeing some of the best racing at the moment that we've ever seen. As well as more marketing and promotion, that promise of increased investment includes more events. The Melbourne-based entrepreneur reveals that the target next year is 15 rounds, returning to New Zealand and possibly getting on the undercard of the Formula One Singapore Grand Prix. Yes, we certainly are. There's a lot going on behind the scenes that you don't see. Um, you know, things don't happen overnight. Uh, we, you know, we're investing heavily into our digital platforms. Um, we're reshaping the look and feel of how the sport's going to be seen uh, through different channels. Um, you know, Gen 3, as I said, has been extremely consuming on management's time and just the positioning of it. Um, you know, I think the cars look unbelievable. You know, they're, they're, they look, and it's exciting racing, so that has taken a lot of time. We're working very hard, you know, in regards to, you know, our broadcast and, and how we, it appeals better and it's more engaged as well. And, uh, you know, and, and the future of what we can do with the sport. You know, in regards to doing more than 12 races a year, getting back to New Zealand, you know, on a long-term, um, uh, you know, basis or you know, position with government over there, so because our fans love us so much over there, getting back over there where we can actually invest in behind it and turn it into an entertainment, you know, uh, festival with supercars as the head act. Your CEO Shane Howard has been working very hard um, in recent months, at least. Um, looking to expand the, the calendar from next year. So we're 12 events this year. What are we looking at moving forward and how many do you see as the, as the best fit? You know, 16, 17 races maybe? Well, I think if you talk to anyone, I mean, the drivers all want to race as much as they can, yeah? 
Um, you know, yeah, you know, if I, I sat with Will Brown today and he said, I'd love to race 20 times. I need to race 20 times a year. So, you know, we need to get our calendar up more. Um, you know, if we can get up to 15 in the next, you know, in the next calendar turn, all going well, that would be great for the sport. Um, and, you know, and then we can expand more from there, you know. But again, it, as the sport grows again, as we invest more, um, you know, we believe we'll be able to get it up to a level that, you know, we should be more constant and relevant on a day, on a, you know, on a, a bi-weekly basis. Yep. Are you looking at as many as 15 next year? We're trying, we're trying. It, you know, but at the end of the day, everything's got to line up, doesn't it? You know, you, you've got to line up your event calendar, you've got to line up, you know, your, your promotion, are you promoting, are you a sanctioned event, you know, where you're racing. So we're, we're trying very hard to, yes. That would be, that would be fantastic for, for supercars, for our fans and for the teams. And could it include the Singapore Grand Prix being on the support program there as soon as next year? Everything's possible and everything's into, you know, open for discussion and, we're, and we are having live discussions with all people. Yep. Nettlefold is pushing for an alliance with Formula One as a major support category beyond the Singapore Grand Prix and staying at the Australian GP. It, 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 I think it depends in regards to what it means to us as well and what it means to our fans. Um, you know, as long as our, the racing is good and we can get the, t the, you know, the track time in the, in the right profiles, in the right street circuits, it doesn't matter if it's Singapore or, or Newcastle or wherever, and we, we've proven that this year again with Newcastle, it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just about us making sure that we can do as much as we can. And, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, that, you know, street circuits are something that are exciting. So if we can get into a street circuit and it's close proximity to the country, why wouldn't we look at it? But it is, one way or the other, it's going to be a costly exercise. Yeah, but it also costs a lot of money to set up some of these tracks. You know, you know, we don't get a lot of change out of, you know, material money to set up a Newcastle or, you know, the Adelaide, you know, tracks. So, that, you know, in Townsville, you know, they're, they're big investments. So we're prepared to invest if it's something that the fans want and what our teams want. Right. And I guess it goes without saying that, I mean, you see big, a big future in a, an alliance between supercars and Formula One in more places than just Singapore Grand Prix. And of course, it must mean staying at the Australian Grand Prix. Yes. Um, look, I'm a believer that, and you know, at the moment, there's, you know, there's a phenomena going on with F1. Uh, you know, we, we are door-to-door -door racing inside a, such a high-tech racing environment. Um, you know, we're the best world touring car competition in the, in the, on the planet now. We should be on the biggest stages. So if we can be, and, the, and it's commercially viable, and it's sensible, and it's good racing, why wouldn't we? His wildest scheme is establishing fleets of supercars overseas, run by the teams on a fly-in, fly-out basis. Nettlefold confirms that basing extra sets of cars offshore to facilitate foreign expansion is on his to-do list. Um, that plan is, is just an idea. It's not something that we've actually really talked about other than that at the moment because of the work we've been doing on Gen 3. But, you know, we're now, we've now got a product that's so relevant to the world scale and world marketplace. So why wouldn't we be considering having discussions like that? Um, we are certainly considering, you know, potentially, you know, is, there, is it viable to build another set of cars? as an example, and leave them offshore so we can, you know, ship them around and, uh, and then, you know, teams can just get up on planes and get out them race. 
that's something. And you know, if you go back to the investment memorandum that uh, that you know Archer and Roland, Dane, and everyone presented to us, you know, what the key growth objective was international. And so, you know, we're not doing anything that's uncommon or different to what we were sold and what we were told would be a great opportunity. Some of Nettlefold's ideas and assertions are airy-fairy, lacking detail. <coughs> but he certainly has no lack of ambition. And under the guidance of power broker Mark Scaife, it'll be interesting to see if his growth plan for supercars works. Another elusive character in supercars is Dick Johnson Racing's new owner, Brett Ralph. He assumed control of the iconic Ford team at the start of the year, with his takeover coinciding with the Shell V-Power Racing Team's tough transition to Gen 3. To say the least, it's been a struggle for the Mustang homologation team so far, not even the best Ford squad. We rarely hear from Ralph, a Melbourne-based air freight magnate who also owns or has major stakes in other successful sports teams. After another difficult weekend in Tasmania, Ralph broke his silence, supporting team boss David Noble's stance that parity wasn't the underlining issue, while declaring that he's committed to restoring DJR as a front-running force. We've got a whole new car that we're looking at here and, you know, everybody's started at the same uh, position, having to relearn everything that we know about these cars. So we're busy trying to learn what we need to know about our car. Um, I would agree with David that whilst we appreciate the fact that supercars are working with us to try and identify where there may be parity issues, there is still some exploring to be done. So we, are, we are not 100% satisfied that we're in a parity position yet. And of course, you know, you bought into what was an established front-running team. Uh, not only do you obviously want to get it to get back there, but you, know, you almost have a responsibility to restore the team to the top. Well, 100% we bought into an established front-running team, and it still is, all right? We're, we're four rounds in, okay, of a whole new era, all right? So it, it'll be, this will be a long year, but let's see where we are, you know, at the end of the year. We're looking for a team that's going to be a powerhouse over the next five, ten years. So you're 100% right. I do have a responsibility to protect the legacy of this team. Um, and we will do that. We will get there. Despite Will Davison's assertion that criticism of DJR has been brutal, the team is, quite simply, underperforming. Before the Indy 500, Scott McLaughlin weighed in on the Gen 3 parity debate. According to Roland Dane, Scotty believes he could win in a DJR Mustang. Well, we actually haven't seen that quote anywhere. And according to McLaughlin, who was in the midst of Mustang parity arguments back in 2019, well, the debate is just part of supercar's life. It's not, I guess, not much has changed <laughs> so from where I was there. So I think it's um, it's a common word that gets drawn up in supercar's land, unfortunately. Um, 
you know, I, I'm not close enough now to have a direct sort of, you know, idea of what's going on. To be honest, I, I've hardly seen many races this year just from the from the, the timing and wherever it's been going on. But I've read a few articles, but it's just, um, yeah, it is it is what it is. It's all. I feel like it's always going to be a thing, and you know, and until it's uh, probably, yeah, yeah. It's always it's always going to be a thing. I just don't think you'll get away from it in Australia or New Zealand. As well, Scotty rejected any chance that, even as a team Chevrolet IndyCar driver, he could team up with Shane Van Gisbergen in the Bathurst 1000. I highly doubt it. That's about it. But unfortunately, I mean, if there was one person in the supercars paddock that I'd love to race Bathurst with, it would be Shane. Um, but you know, I've got loyalties to my people that I've worked with over there and a few other things and, and I've done what I wanted to do there. It doesn't really, you know, right now, like I just don't, it's the, the want to race Bathurst and supercars. There's nothing on supercars. It's just, I've got, I'm, I'm moved on. Like I'm, I'm focusing on what I need to do. And, and it's something that, uh, you know, I would, yeah, I would love another crack at Bathurst at some point, but I want to make sure it's the right opportunity and a, and a chance to, you know, that I could win. But yeah, it's not probably in the foreseeable future, and I highly doubt I would probably be with them. <laughs> McLaughlin also commented on supercars returning to his homeland at Topor next year. I mean, I've raced there before and and Super Tours back in the day, and and it's a it's a good track. I think it'd be a great track for supercars. Um, yeah, I, I, I think just it'd be awesome for New Zealand to have a race. So as we know, there's so many fans down there for the sport and we've got so many Kiwi drivers and supercars. So that would be, that would be wicked. And, um, you know, I certainly hope they can get something done. McLaughlin had another tough run in the Indy 500. More on that coming up. In other news, Motorsport Australia is among 21 major sporting bodies declaring support for changing the constitution to give Indigenous Australians direct representation to Parliament. MA and Supercars are supporting a yes vote for the voice referendum. But neither has publicly explained their stances on this controversial issue. Motorsport Australia, the sport's national governing body, was among the signatories of last week's statement of support, but no direct statement. Supercars is even more timid on the divisive issue, keeping its endorsement internal and advisory only, fearing a backlash from right-wing team owners. Of course, there is the argument that sporting bodies have no business whatsoever trying to influence fans on politicised social issues. Racial equality should be a given, but in a national vote, it's up to individuals to decide. More after this short break. The Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast, it's all in the name. It's all motorsport. Focused on those who make significant contributions to the sport we love. Correct. Some people might only see a dozen motor racing events each year, but the truth is that our sport never stops. Almost every weekend there's a car race going on somewhere. And Gaz, you're at most of them. Ah, yes, and if I'm not there, you certainly are. And you'll hear from us on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast every fortnight. 
You're listening to Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. For car racing fans, it was the biggest weekend of the year. Monaco Grand Prix, Indianapolis 500 and NASCAR's Charlotte 600. If you stayed up and watched them all, you got no sleep well into Monday morning. Plus, if you're in Melbourne and surrounding areas, you were physically shaken by an earthquake just before midnight. That was disconcerting, I can tell you. The Indy 500 is not only the biggest race in the world, it's the largest one-day sporting event attended by more than 250,000. The 107th running ended controversially with a one-lap shootout following three late-race red flag stoppages. No joy for Willpower or Scott McLaughlin, but Team Penske teammate Joseph Newgarden snatched a last-lap victory, scoring Roger Penske's 19th 500 win. A man trackside was Supercar's support race commentator Matt Nolte, who watched the race from the famed snake pit on the inside of Turn 1. Nolte says that at the end, it was a riveting race. Folks, what a what a place this is. Seriously, like the first 80 or 90 laps, I thought we were going to have a very fast race, maybe one caution, maybe none the way that first 15 were going. But as you and I both know, it just takes one caution and the whole race has changed from that point onwards. And to have a finish like that, it's almost like Albert Pike was this year with Formula One. And I'm so glad that they stopped the race to at least give us a one-lap dash at the end. There's going to be people that hate it. There's also... You know, people go, we'd, we'd rather see this than have a race finish under caution. I think that's the great philosophy that you've seen here from Indianapolis Motor Speedway now, that they want to see this race finish under green. And, of course, Joseph Newgarten steals it right at the end, last lap. Unbelievable. And, I mean, if you're leading on the last lap, I mean, you're usually a sitting duck, and you've got to feel for Marcus Ericsson. He was in the box seat all day long, but his run last year was incredible. Newgarten had wanted this for so long. I loved his celebration to find that hole in the fence and go up into the crowd. I mean, it's, they take it to a different level here when they celebrate at the end of the race. But, yeah, well-deserved and, and a really, really good race. The crowd is always huge at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but, well, this year it looked even, well, bigger than we've seen for a while. Yeah, biggest crowd since 2016. Uh, less than 3,000 seats were left. Uh, before the race, uh, certainly the biggest one I've seen here in the now four I've been to. But they just, it looks easy to get around here. I mean, there's 320 odd thousand people here, all rolling in early in the morning, and a lot of them are still clearing out right now. Uh, so clearly, whatever they're doing right, whatever they're doing here, they're doing it right now, and more and more people are coming back to it. And the weather was on our side. It's just starting to come in a bit overcast and cloudy now, but certainly there was no threat of weather at all here today. Look comfortable temperatures around 26, 27 all day long. Will Power and Scott McLaughlin never really figured as Newgarden worked his way into contention right at the end. This week, IndyCar heads to the streets of Detroit. Literally. The Detroit IndyCar Grand Prix has switched from the Belle Isle circuit back to downtown Motor City, reprising the Formula One and Kart IndyCar events of the 1980s and 90s. Detroit-based expat Aussie sports writer Mike Bruden explains why racing's return to downtown Detroit 
is a big deal. Well, yeah, it's got um, a couple of long straights, uh, Mark, uh, but it is shorter. It's only 1.7 mile. Convert that to uh, Aussie, but uh, only 10 turns as opposed to the old track, which was, I believe, 2.3 mile with 17 or 18 turns. So shorter, very quick, um, long straightaway uh, along Jefferson Avenue where the car's expected to get up to about 180 mile an hour. So fast enough um, with a few, um, you know, tricky technical corners. So uh, there's a, you know, it should be a great race and uh, it's a deep field. So yeah, after a lifetime away, from downtown, uh, the streets of Detroit, Motor City will be ringing. And what's the feeling there with the Indy cars coming back to downtown? I mean, it was pretty popular on Belle Isle. Um, is uh, Motor City getting race fever? Um, well, Motor City loves its baseball this time of the year and all sorts of... Uh, Football predictions and hockey playoffs are still on. Um, hopefully, the crowd will be there. Um, it's an event now. There's lots of uh, free vantage points. There's concerts. So it's becoming a Nashville. It's becoming uh, um, uh, an IndyCar Series uh, event that uh, has racing and uh, lots of music and lots of things for the younger folk to do. Um, I mean, it's not 1982 when uh, John Watson won what was then the um, one of the U.S. Grand Prix there, Formula One, uh, where the streets were literally packed and uh, there were um, quite a few people staggering around, including me, um, after too many beers. But, um, you know, hopefully the crowd will be back. Well, it's certainly a testament to the power of Roger Penske in that town that he could, well, he brought the Detroit Grand Prix back on Belle mm -hmm. Isle, and now he's got it back downtown. Um, not much that man can't do over there. Yeah, I mean, there was some resistance um, from the muckety, some of the muckety marks or people that just don't enjoy life. But, um, yeah, Roger pushed uh, the city council and the mayor uh, at, at the moment, Mayor Duggan, is pretty progressive and... It's an event. It's a you know. It's a chance to show Detroit in a better light. The the town is coming back. It's had its uh, share of hard knocks, as you know, Mark. But uh, I've been here forty five years, and uh, um, you know, I, I do feel the excitement. Uh, a lot of people, you know, will go down. Particularly, there's a free Friday where um, there's lots of track action, and uh, people can go and uh, go to the garage areas, go to the paddocks. Uh, for free and uh, walk around and have a good time. The Detroit IndyCar Grand Prix will be live and ad break free on Stan Sport. Back after this important message. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and Elf Race 102 
is available at racefuel.com.au. You're listening to Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. So, back to the sleep-deprived Sunday night, Monday morning of racing. If you stayed up, listen away now. Otherwise, here's Grant Rowley with his roundup. Thanks to our partner, Bob Jane Teamer. It was an action-packed motorsport weekend with major races held right around the world. And it was Max Verstappen who won the world-famous Monaco Grand Prix, and he did it from start to finish. Rain arrived late in the race, and while Verstappen grazed the wall a couple of times, he took the win and overtook Sebastian Vettel as the winningest driver at Red Bull Racing. Aston Martin's Fernando Alonso finished second, losing minimal time while making a wrong call on tyres, while Alpine driver Esteban Ocon rounded out the podium. Australian Oscar Piastri, in his debut on the Monaco streets, finished in the points, coming home 10th in his McLaren. It was a spectacular 107th running of the Indianapolis 500, with Joseph Newgarten securing his first victory and Team Penske's 19th at the Brickyard. In a stunning one-lap dash, Newgarten edged out last year's winner Marcus Ericsson and Santino Ferrucci. New Zealander Scott Dixon was 7th, with Scott McLaughlin 14th following late race contact, and Queenslander Will Power five laps down in 23rd. NASCAR's prestigious Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte was set to conclude a big weekend in motorsport, but rain forced its postponement. Back in Monaco, it was a weekend to forget for Aussie's Jack Doohan in FIA Formula 2, finishing sixth in the opening race, followed by a retirement in the second race. Japanese driver Ayumi Iwasa took the sprint race, while Frederick Vesti won the feature race. Australians Tommy Smith and Kristen Mansell also contested FIA Formula 3, with Smith finishing a season-best 15th in the feature race, two spots to the better of Mansell. And in Porsche Super Cup, reigning Carrera Cup Australia champion Harry Jones finished third-best rookie. Back on home soil, Phillip Island hosted the latest round of the Vic State Racing Series. In the Toyota 86 scholarship, Sonic Formula Ford driver Matt Hillier was the big winner, taking a clean sweep in his Walkinshaw Andretti United entry. Formula Ford was led by Bailey Collins, as CHE Racing Zach Lobko and Edison Beswick rounded out the podiums. Other winners included Cadell Ambrose in XLs, Damien Milano in Improved Production, and Adam Lowndes in Saloon Cars. New South Wales hosted its third state round at Sydney Motorsport Park, where Bathurst six-hour winner Simon Hodges won the production touring class. Ryan Gordon was victorious in RX8 Cup. Adam Poole and Kurt McGreedy split the wins in improved production. And finally, the Ben Motorsport Park was the venue for round two of the South Australian State Motor Racing Championships, as Jamie Lovett won in sports cars. Tickford Racing Super 2 driver Brad Vaughan completed double duties by winning both XLs and saloon cars, while Victorian Rob Braun took the win in improved production. This week, the World Rally Championship heads to Italy. Madison hosts the next NASCAR Cup Series event. IndyCar races on the streets of Detroit and Formula One heads to Spain. 
I'm Grant Rowley reporting for Parked Up Plus, and this is with all thanks to our great friends at Bob Jane T-Marts. Thanks, Grant. Well, that's it for now. Back this time next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, tune in to Parked Up with Grant Rowley on Thursday for stimulating discussion about the wide world of motor racing. And don't forget Network R's other must-listen podcasts, Girls on the Grid every Monday, and every second Friday, the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Show. This has been Parked Up Plus, where you hear the big news from the big names every week. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to another Network R production.